Welcome to the worship service from Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. Trinity Chapel is a small, traditional, and biblically-based congregation in the southwest corner of Virginia. The church pastor is the Reverend Bob Bierman, also host of Truth to Ponder, heard on this station. We invite you to be a part of our worship service today. To learn more about the church, its mission, and its vision, visit the website trinitychapelvirginia.com. That's trinitychapelvirginia.com. And now join us in the sanctuary of Trinity Chapel for today's broadcast. Well, good morning. It is 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We know what that means. We all got an extra hour of sleep, but we're all thoroughly more confused than we were when we started yesterday at this time. At least I am. And as I've gotten older, I have not been able to get more accustomed to the time change. If anything, I find it worse. How about you? And I, as much as I love going, uh, there was a Facebook meme out there that I thought was kind of neat. It said, it's time to turn our clocks back from sunshine, warmth, and happiness to darkness and misery. There's a little truth in that. And we'll, we'll discover that about 4.35 o'clock this afternoon when you look outside and go, where did the sun go? Hard to believe that we are what? Less than seven weeks away from the shortest day of the year. But that's the good news. It starts to get better from that point on slowly, even though we have to slog through a winter in this part of the world. We always can see the day getting brighter and better. Several announcements I want to make this morning. We, I'll call your attention in the bulletin. There are a number of announcements that I have there. There, there are a lot of people within our own church body that are traveling in need of prayer, having health issues, whatever the case may be. And I want to, we need to keep them in prayer. Mark Wood was going to be singing this morning, and I had to change it at the last minute. There'll be some music instead. He just finished a trip, and if, you, if you've looked at the bulletin, he lost an uncle just the other day, and, and he had been up in West Virginia, as, I, as you knew last week, he was gone, to spend some time before he died. He had, he had had a heart attack and just never recovered, and they realized, they, they took him off life support a few days ago, and he passed away peacefully on early Friday morning. So Mark got back, but there's still, you know, it's still a lot to contend with. So we pray for him that he be encouraged at this time. And the ministry that many people have been called to do, even in a place like this, you know, that God, is, God has provided this place for not just the local community, but a larger community that is out there that we have the privilege, privilege of talking to each and every week. There are times when you're starting a church out, this, this is the hardest time. In these early, in the first year, you're small. If, if a couple of people are gone, it's really noticeable. When you get larger, you, you don't quite notice it. You know, when I, when I had a church where there were hundreds of people in it, 
if one or two were not there, I may not even notice it until somebody said, did you notice that so-and-so was not here? And sometimes it's hard to tell. In a smaller church, it's real easy to tell. And it can be discouraging, but then again, we have a ministry that reaches beyond here, so that, that is encouraging as well. Mark Holmes is planning a Bible study a week from today in the evening at 6 p.m., and he and I were talking the other day. If that is not the best time, let us kind of know. We could, it could be changed. Um, we'll talk to Mark about that. He's looking forward to doing it. And a couple of other things. Hard to believe that a month from today is the first Sunday in Advent, the countdown to Christmas. And I mean, where did this, where did 2023 go? I mean, summer finally got here and the next thing I know, we're looking at Christmas. And so one of the things my wife and I have been talking about, and I'd like your help on this, how do we decorate this church and make it a wonderful place to be for Christmas Eve and those Sundays even before Christmas. And so we're going to work on that. I need your help and input on it. There's a lot we could do, but I, I, I'm at the point that, yeah, I kind of know some of the things we need up here, but how to decorate. I know that we're planning an event for the Saturday before the first Sunday in Advent. Uh, Mark Holm and his group soul sandwich and another friend of his we're going to have something on that saturday afternoon and we're trying to put all the pieces together and then invite the neighborhood and reach out to people in in our larger community around us to visit with us maybe they don't have a church home and maybe this journey to bethlehem that we will take beginning first sunday in december might be just the ticket we need to get more people involved here at this church. And of course, your support is always needed as we, you know, we have been in this building now since the 4th of June, and we had enough to start with covering all the cost up front for a number of months, and now we're on our own here when the power bill comes and the water bill comes and everything else. And so it's in the bulletin if you can if anybody can help, that's appreciated. Next Sunday, I'm trying to remember. i got to get my bearings straight. I believe next Sunday, is, yeah, next Sunday we will have communion. And I'm going to, for now, second and fourth Sunday is kind of what I'm leaning toward um, for communion here at the church, unless you have other suggestions. Once again, I'm open to suggestions. Today, because it's a simple service, I decided I'm going to be a little comfortable today and be like this because this is more of a service of prayer and God's Word. I don't think I'm missing anything, am I? My wife's nodding. No, you're not missing anything. So with that, I invite you to stand if you can and sing with us, Our God is an Awesome God.
pray. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your glorious name through Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated for the reading of God's word. Good morning. We begin with um, chapter 2 of Joel, verses 21 through 32. Don't be afraid, O land. Be glad now and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Don't be afraid, you animals of the field, for the wilderness pastures will soon be green. The trees will again be filled with fruit, Fig trees and grapevines will be loaded down once more. Rejoice, you people of Jerusalem. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for the rain he sends demonstrates his faithfulness. Once more the autumn rains will come, as well as the rains of spring. The threshing floors again will again be piled high with grain, and the presses will overflow with new wine and olive oil. The Lord said, I will give back to you what you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locust, the stripping locust, and the cutting locust. It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. Once again, you will have all the food you want, and you will praise the Lord your God, who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. Then you will know that I am among my people Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be disgraced. The Lord's promise of his spirit. Then, after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great terrible day of the Lord arrives. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape just as the Lord had says. These will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. Now if we can read together Psalm chapter 51 verses 1 through 13. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. 
For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone I have sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. May you be right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will cleanse me, and I will be wetter than snow. Oh, give back to me my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. And now for our second lesson, which is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to our Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. We are commending ourselves to you again. No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely as a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone the new life has begun. And all, of, and, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself and no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And now for the Gospel, Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 34. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. 
So then your eye is clear. Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the, then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow. They do not reap nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worthy much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add one single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies in the field grow. They do not toil, they do not spin. Yet I say to you, not even Solomon, in all his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek those things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first his kingdom and all his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us stand together as we sing a very well-known hymn, Amazing Grace.
Heavenly Father, as we come to this time that we gather around your word, I pray that you will open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have for us this day. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. When I was young, it seems like just yesterday, even though I know it isn't, growing up in a very vibrant and very active church and being in its choir from the time that I was literally just out of kindergarten, I had the opportunity to learn a lot of the liturgy and the music that we had in that church. And as a young child, we had a communion service within what was then known as the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And and after the communion was over and they're getting ready to start, well, getting ready for dismissal. After communion, there was this one little part of the psalm you just heard that was sung. And I can hear the music in my ears to this day. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and renew a right spirit within me. And I can hear the melody, and I could sing it in my sleep. And for most of my childhood, it meant nothing. They just words. I learned how to sing a lot of anthems by rote to the melody that we know. Um, there was a hymn, I'm trying to remember now, I gotta put it all together real quick because I'm hearing the one set of words and I'm trying to remember the melody of the other one. But living for Jesus, my savior and king was done to uh, another melody that we all know, a very nice Irish melody. These were some of the first anthems that I sung And over the years, I sang many different ones. And they're now, and here's the kicker. All of what I learned in my childhood is an integral part of who I am here in this place today. I am the sum total of all that was deposited in me by my parents and grandparents and those that were concerned about my spiritual well-being. The psalm you heard today, which kind of fit the music of the last minute today, God's amazing grace, God's power of forgiveness. One of the things that I have found hard to understand to this day is how much grace God has for us, for his children, and really for humankind. We sometimes 
don't recognize what David wrote in that psalm as he cried out to God. Now, most of you are, know the story. I don't need to go into all the detail. King David, on the throne, got his eye on this really beautiful woman. And he decided, I wanted her. His lust made him desire this woman that was not his. And, and she was, well, belonged to somebody else. One of his commanders of David's army. And so David plotted to get this woman and get rid of the guy by putting him on the front lines of a battle. Not only David, did David commit adultery, he really committed premeditated murder, taking an innocent life in order to achieve his adultery. There's an old gospel song, and I, I can kind of hear the melody in my mind, and I probably haven't heard it in 30-plus years or more. But I can remember way back when one of those gospel quartets singing, sin will take you as low as you really, as your heart desires to go. Something to that effect. And I can still kind of hear the four-part harmony. In spite of that, David, David got called out. And I can remember the confrontation when one of God's prophets tells him this little story about how somebody had taken something from somebody so poor and so needy and David was enraged saying, bring that person to me right now, jail him. I mean, all that we're going to flog him and all this. No, 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 it's you. You took a woman that didn't belong to you and you killed somebody. And David recognized that whatever he may have thought, whatever he may have been deluded to believe for the longest time, because sin will cause you to believe things that are not true. He kind of acted like God didn't see me do it, so God doesn't know that I did it. A lot of people have that idea that, you know, God didn't see me do it. Maybe I got away with it. David really, I think, believed that in his heart, which shows that the relationship that he should have had with his God was not near as good as it needed to be. He wasn't close to God. He wasn't living in the fellowship of the Almighty. He did not really have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in his life because he had gone into the desires of his heart, not the desires of seeking after the heart of God. Big difference. It's easy to get comfortable in the life that David lived. Many Christians find themselves at time there. None of us is ever immune. Trust me. Nobody's ever immune. And there David, suddenly for the first time, had his eyes open.
not long ago, I watched a video of a young man singing who was blind from birth, was told to his mother he would never live, or if he did, he would never speak, and if he ever speak, it would be unintelligible. You know, in other words, nothing would ever, he was just, you know, a hopeless case. They were telling the mother to abort the child before birth, but she refused to. And I watched as the father helped his son walk. Remember, he could walk now. They said he couldn't. Walk onto the stage, and though he could not see, his father set him on the stage, microphone in hand, and he sang that song, which I find one of the most precious Christian songs out there, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. I want to see you. That child with all, with being blind, he can see God better than some of the sighted folk can. He already sees him. He's got the power of God's Holy Spirit in him to change him, to empower him. And so I look at David. David, king of Israel has everything he could ever want, but that's not enough. He wants something that doesn't even belong to him, that is not even rightfully his. And sin deluded him to think, yeah, you can get it. God's not going to notice. He may just, just do it at night. Do it, I mean, just do it in the darkness. That's why a lot of crimes occur at night. That's why a lot of evil occurs in the darkness, because evil hates light. And this servant of God comes to David and brings it to his attention that, yeah, God knows, fully knows. David spent quite a long time, literally, in sackcloth and ashes, realizing, what have I done? And David thought of himself as a totally hopeless case for the longest time. Funny thing about ashes, in some church traditions, if you go back before the beginning of Lent, which is the 40 days before Easter, a lot of churches have what is called Ash Wednesday, the imparting of ashes. And a lot of people go, so what, is all, what does all that mean? You know, putting those, that little smudge spot. What does it all mean? We lose sight of its historical significance. How many of you ever heard of lava soap? Yeah, yeah. There have been times that when I used to work on a lot of equipment that had a lot of, shall we say, greasy, oily parts on them, my hands were just filthy. A lot of broadcast equipment is in places that are not the cleanliness. They're, I mean, they're full of dust, dirt, and grease and oil, and you can get really messy. And the one thing I liked were radio stations that had a bathroom that had lava soap in it after you had worked on that equipment because you could clean your hands. What is lava soap made out of? Ashes. Ashes. Ashes were used as a cleanser. It was a cleaning agent. They hadn't invented Tide yet. They used ashes. 
And, and so we've lost kind of the historical significance. Why would somebody heap upon themselves ashes? It is to say, Lord, clean me. I'm unclean. Wash me. I'm filthy. Before the service, in the pre-service music, and, and a lot of the audience that watches online never gets to see it, but about a half hour before the beginning of the service, I have a music set of music tracks that play that then bring us to the countdown to get us to the 11 o'clock hour. And I start it about a half hour early, so as things get closer, I'm not jamming around trying to, ooh, I got to start this, ooh, I got to, you know, it makes it easier just to be able to see the screen and know that I've got so many minutes, then we're down to the five-minute countdown that starts on time. One of the songs I included today was a Christian song that goes back to when I was in college, when I used to ride around in the Flintstone mobile going to school. And it was a song by Honey Tree called Clean Before My Lord I Stand. And in, and in me, not one blemish does he see. We tend to look at sin in its magnitude and, and in the responsibility of how to pay for that sin in this lifetime. And that's a human thing. We see somebody do something really atrocious, really horrible, Man, you know, we got to block that guy away forever and throw away the key, hang him high, whatever, whatever comes to your mind. And yet that little white lie in God's economy is just as bad. There is no difference to God with our sin. What's that other psalm that David said? If, Lord, if thou would count us iniquities, O oh Lord, who would stand? Nobody. Not a one. The Pharisees used to pride themselves in Jesus' time. We're perfect. We're sinless. We keep the law. Those people don't, but we keep it. And Jesus called them everything. Hypocrites, sepulchers. Dead, men bone, dead men's bones and fine raiment. I mean, these are really nice compliments to the, to the establishment of the day that thought that they were pure and righteous. Not even the Sadducees, not even Jesus' apostles were pure and righteous. We can see that in the gospel lessons. How many, how many times did they doubt? How many times did they come up short? How many times did they disobey? The scripture is full of the examples. But see, that's where God's amazing grace comes into the equation for you and I, all of us here, all those that are watching or listening today. We have a Savior. He has paid the price of our sin. For those that have ever dealt with what's called a church calendar, you know, and, and it's not a bad thing. I kind of like it to a degree, and I'll explain why. A lot of people go, well, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Or why is you? The church calendar came out 
and all these things that you do on certain Sundays during the course of one year to walk you through the life of Christ. The church year begins on the first Sunday in Advent, the, the countdown to Jesus arriving in Bethlehem. And we remember all the Old Testament prophecies that, that show his coming and his purpose. Then we have the Epiphany shortly thereafter, which is kind of the last day of Christmas of the 12 days, which is the manifestation of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, not just to the Jews. Then we enter the time of pre-Lent and then Lent when we start taking our journey to Calvary, and then we celebrate Easter, the resurrection, then we celebrate Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit to the church, and then we come into what is called the Trinity season. Some churches call it the Sundays after Pentecost or the Sundays after Trinity. Some call it just kind of like ordinary time. It is when we focus on the mission and ministry of the church, and then come the first Sunday in Advent, we repeat it all over again. Back in the day before people had books to take home and televisions and DVDs. This is how you taught people by rote. They would walk with Jesus from his birth to his resurrection and to his ascension. And they did that journey every year of their life. You know, by the time I was 11 or 12, because I had gone through that kind of process, I had a lot of this Inherently inside of me, the, I had the calendar kind of lay, kind of knew the life story. A lot of people don't. We know bits and pieces. Several weeks ago, when Dr. Phil Fuller was our guest speaker, he paid a little compliment to me after the service because he had a bulletin. He said, man, he said, you read a lot of scripture here. I said, yeah, we do. He said, I wish our churches would do more of that. We, we, we don't get into God's word like we should. You know, we pick a verse or two and just kind of run with it, sing a few songs and preach a sermon, but we, we don't get the totality of God's word. I try in what I'm putting together is I'm trying to find the entrance ramp, so to speak, toward kind of following along that walk beginning in Advent. I want, to, I want us to take that journey with Jesus starting this Advent a month from now and take us from the Old Testament time to Jesus arriving in Bethlehem, his story, his mission, his ministry, his miracles, his death and his resurrection, the Holy Spirit being given, the empowering of the church, and the mission and ministry of the church to this day. I want to walk through that. I really do. God's grace is sufficient for our need. I shared the gospel part, and this is, the, this is where it ties together now. We are people in need of a, in need of all the substance of life. We need our jobs, we need our food, we need our shelter, you know, we, we have our human needs for these bodies that we dwell in. That's a given. We have a spiritual need for forgiveness for all the things that we have done. 
God supplies our need, not our greed, according to his riches in Christ Jesus. But a lot of people forget that part of that need, part of the need that we have in Christ is to be reconciled unto Jesus Christ. I think that's where a lot of us over time, in, in our lifetimes, have come to those points. I know that I have, and more than once, to realize that I have fallen short. I'm not doing what I've been told to do. I've not, I've not been obedient. I've not been as faithful. I've not been, yeah, I come up short all the time. That's just the nature of being who we are. But like King David, there are times that I have to say, Lord, I have to pause. Lord, you have to create a clean heart in me. Lord, you need to renew that spirit within me. Lord, don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take away your Holy Spirit. I know that, Mark, you can identify with this in the kind of ministry that you've done. When somebody first comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ, are they sad? Are they miserable? Are they depressed? No. Joy. Joy cometh in the morning. The word joy is used quite a lot in Scripture. There is joy in these individuals. There is peace. There is, for many, tears flowing because of being given such a great gift. This is better than winning the price is right. There's more happiness and excitement in that joy. And what we also fail to recognize, what the scripture says about the angels in heaven rejoice for those that come into the saving knowledge and relationship with Jesus Christ. It is, it is something that transcends across the universe. A lot of Christians never really sometimes experience that joy. David did. David thought that he had it all in a box now and everything was fine and I'm going to live my life for me until he did and then paid a price for quite a long time. David lost a lot, though he never lost his salvation. He never was the same king again. But he still was the apple of God's eye. There's a consequence sometimes we pay in this lifetime for the things that we do. David paid one. But he could say, and that little musical piece means so much to me today to create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. See, there's a lot of things we don't understand. I know that I have a calling. I know many in this room have a calling. God has great plans. 
for his children. But it all begins with being right with him. Oh, we're going to fail. We're going to fall. We're going to stumble. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to drift away. But like a loving father, you know, how many times have you watched as a father and grandfather, that little three-year-old, you know, running off in this direction? You know, I, I, I have a, a niece. Her name is Logan. But my brother David once said, I think she's going to believe her name is no Logan. <laughs> How many times has God had to say to you, no, chide us, guide us, direct us. He does it not because he hates us. He does it because he loves us. And knowing that we can abide in his amazing grace. These next Sundays, as we head toward the end of this church year before the first Sunday in Advent, I kind of want to tie together some important fundamentals of our faith and basics and understanding. That we can walk into the next church year renewed, empowered, well studied in God's word, and be useful for his kingdom here on this earth. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that you've given us here today to gather around your word. Lord, if we are lacking the joy of your salvation, restore that to us today. If there's something not right within us, Lord, show us that today. Purify us, cleanse us, and make us whiter than snow. And use us, Lord, for the glory of your name and for the expansion of your kingdom. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all the people according to their needs. Lord, you've told us in your word that you hear our prayers. We're crying out to you. We are humbling ourselves before you and we are seeking your face. We come together as a church body to seek you. We repent and turn from our wicked ways. Thank you for hearing us and thank you for your forgiveness and your healing. Lord, we pray for deliverance from all that harms the body and assaults the soul and for trust to commend ourselves and all things into your hands. We beseech you to rule the hearts of those who bear authority in government, in this and every land, that they may be led to wise decisions and right actions for the welfare and peace of the world. We pray for Christian homes that they may be places where the faith is nurtured and where they may learn to live our new lives in holiness and righteousness. Father, we pray for the persecuted who suffer for the sake of Christ, that God would call all to righteousness by their witness. And for all nations that God would establish his peace and make our leaders wise and honorable. Father, we lift all those who call in their time of need. For those who need physical healing, special blessing, or comfort in times of loss and distress. We pray you comfort them with your abiding presence and grant them patience in the midst of suffering. 
Lord, I pray for the church, which is your body in this, in this place. Make it a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Make it salt and light in our community that preserves and safeguards us from evil and also heralds the gospel of your kingdom to all who have ears to hear. We pray, Father, we are thankful for the faithful who have gone before us with the sign of faith and now rest from their labors that we may be brought with them into everlasting life. Grant these our prayers, O God, for Jesus Christ's sake, our only mediator and advocate. Amen. Stand if you can as we close our service today with our closing hymn.
the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day and forevermore. Amen. Depart in peace. Serve the Lord with gladness. You've been listening to the worship service from Trinity Chapel in Seven Mile Ford, Virginia. Trinity Chapel is a small, traditional, and biblically-based congregation in the southwest corner of Virginia. The church pastor is the Reverend Bob Beerman, also host of Truth to Ponder, heard on this station. We want to thank you for being a part of our worship service today. To learn more about the church, its mission, and its vision, visit the website, trinitychapelvirginia.com. That is trinitychapelvirginia.com. And we invite you to join us next week at the same time for another service from Trinity Chapel.